Hey everyone, it's Ramon and welcome to the Human Optimization Podcast, science-based tools to optimize your physiology, master your mind, and unlock your potential. Now before we get into the episode, a quick word from our sponsor, Brain First, earth-grown, evidence-based nutrition. One of the products that I love and I take every workday to fire up my brain and get laser-like focus and interflow quickly is Genius Mode. It took me years of research and testing to formulate Genius Mode for Brain First. It has the best science-backed ingredients for peak mental performance in meaningful doses supported by experimental data. I personally take it shortly after I wake up and the focus and the drive and the motivation and the mental clarity lasts me all day. Now to get Genius Mode, use code RAMON for 10% off in addition to any other subscription discounts that you get on the Brain First website. Just head to mybrainfirst.com and you'll see a bunch of reviews from other people who are absolutely loving this product. mybrainfirst.com, code RAMON for 10% off and get your brain an instant upgrade. Let's get into the episode. Enjoy, my friends. Uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Let's let's dive into it. Cheers. So you're the CEO of Blokes for our listeners. Um, let's let's talk about what do, what does what do Blokes what does Blokes uh, help Blokes achieve? Blokes is all about hormone optimization, just feeling better, feeling more vital throughout your day. We focus on everything from testosterone replacement therapy all the way to prescription peptide therapy. Uh, weight loss, uh, coaching 101. We're just kind of a, a one-stop shop when it comes to men's health. And we recently just created our women's line called Joy, J-O-I. Um, and your viewers and listeners can can find that at choosejoy.co. Um, and we're really excited about that just because women are pretty good consumers when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great. Actually, uh, I'm, I knew we were going to be talking about hormone optimization for men, and I was thinking, oh, I wonder if you you work with women as well, because I'd love to to talk about some of the the hormone optimization for women too. So, but before we get into it, how did you how did you or why did you create blokes? How did you get here? What what's the story? Yeah, man, I, my my story is is personal. It was uh, it was sex and divorce. My my wife was uh, on the brink of divorcing me uh, because my sex drive had had virtually gone to shit. And uh, it started with my personal struggle. And I sought care with primary care physicians, internal medicine docs here, uh, got some horrible advice right out of the gates. I was told I was in a normal side of a range. Um, and who likes to be told they want to be in a range. Uh, but I found out now that I'm becoming more and more of an expert in this space that it was, it was below the normal range. Uh, here in the US, it's 300 nanograms, so 100 deaths. 100 nanograms per deciliter, thousand, I'm sorry, uh, when it comes to your testosterone marker. And I was below 300 nanograms uh, in my mid thirties. So I was getting bad advice right out of the gates, feeling like crap, not sure why, um, you know, sex drive wasn't there, mental clarity wasn't there. Overall, just stamina and energy and zest in life wasn't there. And, and that's why I created blokes. I, I said, there had to be a better process. There had to be better understanding. There had to be better accessible points for men and to do this in a, in a much more simple manner. Um, I think, you know, in healthcare, it's, there's always an ongoing struggle and battle with Western medicine and hormone therapy is still something new. It's evolving. We know a lot more uh, than we did 10 years ago. We know a lot more than we did five years ago, but it's still something that is not 
widely accepted into the standard medical community. So that's something we're trying to change. And I think hormones are a big, big portion of everyday life. Yeah, yeah. It, it's still got such a stigma attached to it, doesn't it? Particularly for men, the testosterone, steroids, meathead, um, like aggression, yep. like things. How do we, uh, actually, before we, we, we talk about that, at, at what point did you notice that these symptoms were really impacting your life? Like how old were you? How long was it kind of happening for? Yeah, it's, that's it, a funny, that's a good question. And, and, and I don't have an exact answer. I, I think mine was kind of like the slow drip theory. It, it just happened over time. Um, I think if I went back and I looked at it, it probably was when my wife and I were trying to have a baby. Uh, we had three miscarriages in about two years. Um, and then we finally had our first natural born kiddo. And I think that's when the testosterone levels really dropped. Everything started changing. I was working like a madman. So my stress levels were high, but nobody actually sat down and said, Hey, Josh, you should be looking at your hormones as your wife's going through this process. Um, so I think that was probably the, 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 the turning point for me. Um, but it was something that, you know, I was uneducated on, so I wasn't even looking for it. The interesting thing, and I think this probably happens in most couples and, and, and most partnerships, is my wife is who noticed it. You know, obviously the sex wasn't there at that time. And I, you know, when I was in my younger area, I was, I was a little bit different or a lot different. Um, but then overall things like belly fat was occurring. I was an athlete. I played rugby for about 15 years. And, um, you know, I knew my body pretty well. I didn't have that drive or that zest to want to work out. All I wanted to do was focus on work. Um, so there was little telltale signs, but, you know, I think if there was kind of that turning point is when we were trying to have a baby. Yeah. And how long did it take you to, I mean, I know optimization is a, a, an ongoing process, right? But yeah. how long did it sort of take you to, you know, get 80% of, of the result, like take, you know, make a big difference to your life. How long did that process take? Yeah. I, I think once I decided and understood where I was at in terms of being a legitimate low testosterone candidate, I mean, I was for my age, I was a true hypogonadism gonadism candidate. Um, it took probably a solid six to eight months. Okay. Now what was unique for me, I think it would have been, quicker uh, if I probably would have tried a different therapy. I had initially started off on transdermal creams uh, with testosterone and I just wasn't getting that lift. I wasn't getting that boost, whether it was symptomatically or even blood wasn't even showing in, in the same category. Um, I wasn't moving the needle. Finally, I got on injections and that's when it instantly shot up. So for me, injections worked extremely well. Um, and once I got in that program, it was probably only eight, eight weeks to 12 weeks before I was really, really feeling all more like myself in my, in my late twenties. Wow. Wow. Cause I've heard that for a lot of guys, sometimes it can take maybe even a good couple of years to get dialed in. You know, maybe they come across a doctor who puts them on and injects them, you know, once every couple of weeks and yeah. they rate for the first few days and then their levels just plummet and then they find someone who can, you know, try and uh, optimize them based on injection frequency and dose yeah. and other things like that seems six to eight months even seems pretty fast. right? I'll, yeah. I'll, I, I think there's, you know, this is the art and science, right? We talked about this earlier. I, 
you don't want to be too aggressive and you, and you certainly don't want to be too conservative. And I think that's when you have good, you know, hormone specialists that, that we employ at Blokes and Joy that have been doing this for a very long time. They, they know how to control doses. If you're getting constant and regular blood draws like we do, it's easy to, you know, change those dosages to make it match what you want to fill symptomatically. Obviously, we want you in range. We don't want you too far below it. We don't want you too far above it. We want you in a healthy, optimal range. We believe that it's somewhere between 800 nanograms to 1200. Most of our guys are feeling pretty good after, you know, I would call it eight, eight to 12 weeks. What we tell most patients for full optimization, no less than six months up to a year, but you should be feeling some significant changes within that eight to 12 week period. Yeah. So we're talking um, total testosterone. What about free testosterone? Yeah. That's something you, that's important to keep track of or. Yeah. I, it, here's what's interesting. I talk to our advisors about this all the time. Um, I think free gets a lot more merit and credit than maybe what it's worth. Most of our advisors, our, our medical team are really looking at that total number, um, you know, and then trying to match it off of symptoms. But uh, our, our main marker when we're looking at testosterone is the total marker. Right. So obviously we know it's important to find the right um, practitioner, you know, rather than, and this has at least been my observation, the guys that tend to struggle with this the most tend to go to their local GP who doesn't really have them not up to date on the research. They don't have the experience. Then they find someone uh, like you who like, you know, you guys do this stuff all the time and then things change very, very quickly. They get the results they're looking for. Yeah. I, I I give it the, uh, the analogy we're an inch wide a mile deep when it comes to, to hormones and optimization, that's all we do. That's every call we take, every patient we see, that's what we're focused on. Does it mean that we can branch out a little bit into primary care, general, general practitioner type work? Of course, but that's not where we're, where we're focused. And I would say the same thing with any GP or, you know, primary care provider, that's not their focus. They treat a wide range of different things. They see, you know, we'll see 10 to 12 patients in a day. They'll see 50 to 60 in a day. Um, you know, they're, I, I hate to say it, but their methodology is different than ours. We're trying to heal the body from the inside out. A lot of, a lot of Western medicine is to throw pills at problems and that's just not how we operate. Mm -hmm. I think with something particularly like uh, hormones, it's critical to get the right care. Like you can't be messed sort of stuff. (laughs) And so you went on this journey, you started to optimize or you realized or your wife realized first before you're having these symptoms and you figured out, Hey, I'm not the way that I used to be Went on this journey of optimization. How different are you now compared to just prior to, to starting this? Light years, brother. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, if my wife was here, she would say the same thing. I mean, we have a very healthy marriage, a very healthy sex life. And, and you don't realize how off or how good a marriage can be when that's off. And, you know, it's, it's healthy in any relationship or partnership. Um, but, you know, just overall drive, overall mental clarity, wanting to work out, you know, before it was, you know, I, I'm going to find another thing to do or add another task to my day to not work out. Now it's like, I got to get at least three to four days of solid working out in, and then maybe once or twice some good outside activity. So for me, it's, it's been just that zest to get back in the game of doing everything, whether it's, you know, having sex with my wife to just, 
you know, sheer lifting weights or just wanting to conquer things during work. And I mean, I think every man should consider this at some point in their life when they're starting to feel those symptoms and know that there is some type of relief. You don't, aging doesn't have to be a bad and horrible process. You should still live your life with vitality. hundred percent. It's interesting from the, uh, you know, what we know from the neuroscience research that generally speaking, one of the things that uh, testosterone does is it makes work feel good. So lifting weights, conquering tasks, like doing things actually feels better when you've got the right levels of testosterone. I think it's interesting. I'd like to ask you a question. I mean, you, you, yeah. you understand the brain activity a lot more than I do, um, but it's something that people don't talk about, that your testes are sending a signal to your brain to alert your body to do that. And I think it's, I think guys don't understand what they're not missing when, when that's not there. I mean, it's, you know, it's beyond FOMO. They don't even understand that it's just not even happening. So for our patients, I would love to be able to connect those dots on an early basis, just through talk, just through, you know, pure conversation, because they don't really understand that, that component at all. Yeah. And it is such a, a vital component. I mean, most, and, and, I think this is going to eventually lead to the, the stigma conversation around this, but most guys with uh, testosterone muscles, testosterone, exactly. work out the gym, testosterone, aggression, uh, all these sorts of things. But like, it's, it's, oh, it's responsible for so many things, particularly for men. Um, and some of the literature I was reading the other day about uh, the impact of testosterone when it comes to, um, you know, women and men, like the sex differences, Obviously, we men have a lot more than what women do, right. but in terms of uh, the sensitivity that our nervous system or our brain has to testosterone, like men are more sensitive to androgens in general, right. what women are in terms of how it affects our mental function. So, like it's 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 critical. I mean, everything from I mean, we could go through the list, right? Uh, it's going to impact things like anxiety, depression. Um, cognitive function, ability to focus, pay attention. And then, of course, we have uh, the list of things that, you know, maybe you can talk more about as well. Things like, you know, we convert testosterone to estrogen and estrogen has neuroprotective effects, right. cardioprotective exactly. effects. Yeah. Like, we don't have, men don't have testosterone. We're in a whole world of trouble. <laughs> well, you know, to not get too sidetracked, you know, there was early studies during COVID that they thought high testosterone was linked to hospitalizations and deaths to COVID. And, and it, it's, you can Google this now. They're finding that optimal testosterone is actually what keeps you out of the hospital and keeps you from dying. You know, it's, it's a tough topic to talk about because everything COVID related is, is so highly regulated. But at the end of the day, you know, testosterone is a natural anti-inflammatory. And we look at any disease state usually thrives in inflammation. And we know that COVID thrived in adipose tissue and, and inflammation. So you don't have to be a rocket science to figure it out. Peel the onion back a little bit. If you have optimal testosterone levels and that's a natural anti-inflammatory, your body's just going to flow a lot better just naturally. Yeah. So how do, how do we get past this thing of you know, we, we walk out onto the street, we pull a hundred people out of their houses and we say, testosterone, what are your thoughts? Right. And 99, maybe it's a thousand people and 999 of them say, um, you know, if it's testosterone replacement, oh, now it's about steroids and bodybuilding or it's about aggression, like all these sorts of 
uh, sorts of things. How do we get past that? And why does you that know, sort of come from? What, what are your thoughts on, on this whole area? Yeah, I, I think it comes from the 70s and 80s areas of pump and iron. And, and I think it comes from the, the lack of science behind it. I think it comes from bro science, bro culture that existed many, many years ago where, you know, if you're a gem guy and you're a meathead, that's just what you did. So people have that stigma and they have the, you know, the, the movie in their head. What we're doing here is replacing what we think should be there. Anything beyond that is what I would consider a steroid. And I, and I think we run a fine line, you know, I think you're starting to see more and more understanding of this, but we have to raise the bar collectively together in the right way. It has to be about replacing testosterone, not adding on to, you know, a 25 year old man who's probably walking around with 1500 nanograms, just naturally throwing more on that. That's the bad stigma. We have to collectively start talking about replacement and not steroids. And I think that slowly will change the culture behind it. And, you know, you're starting to see more and more men, you know, understand this. You're starting to see more and more clinics talk about this. You're starting to see this done in a virtual manner like we are. I think as long as we're, you know, sending the, the same messages, the correct messages, I think it's going to eventually slowly raise the bar in, in, in testosterone because the, I, I, listen, I, I think it's one of the best drugs out there for both men and women. Mm. If you ask my, my, my physicians and, and nurse practitioners, what, what, what's the best drug? They say testosterone, testosterone, testosterone. There's plenty of amazing peptides out there for vitality, anti-aging, uh, weight loss, but testosterone is always a major go-to when you're feeling the symptoms of any of these things that it just generally works. If, if we have patients that come to us and say, hey, listen, testosterone's not working, we're, we're usually saying you're doing something wrong or you're not applying what we're telling you to do because it's got such a high success rate when it's done in a clinical setting and it's done under medical supervision. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what's the average age for men who are experiencing symptoms uh, going on to TRT that you've found? Yeah, I, I think our, our demos probably in terms of those signing up for treatment somewhere between 45 and, and 55. Okay. Um, but we're, we're seeing younger and younger every day, uh, unfortunately, or however you want to look at it. Um, you know, most men will start seeing some types of signs of low T between 30 and 35, whether it's something that's significant to drive them through, you know, TRT is another thing, but that's when the symptoms may or may not start creeping in, but our, our sweet spot somewhere between that 45 and 50, 55 year old range. Yeah. Interesting. And most of them are experiencing the sort of symptoms that you described earlier, like yeah. low drive, low energy, don't feel the way that I used to. And yeah. then, okay, let's check testosterone. And then, and then it, that would be, as you said, like that's the, the number one thing. What, what are some of the other things that um, you would then introduce? Uh, meaning in terms of our other therapies that we offer? Yeah. 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 You know, I, so, so this is the easiest way I, I describe our practice. Hormone optimization is, is, is the foundation. It, you can throw the framing on it. You can throw the kitchen in it. You can throw the bathrooms in it. But if you're, if you're not optimized from a hormone perspective, those things just aren't going to work as well because everything else to me is the icing on the cake. It's the, you know, it's, it's the beautiful pictures. It's the beautiful artwork you have. It's the beautiful 
you know, kitchen stuff that you have. So regardless of whether you're on hormone optimization or not, you still want to have optimized hormones. And, and that can be easily solved through just a quick symptom check and, and, and blood levels. That said, when those are dialed in, then we start looking at anti-aging peptides, weight loss peptides, if, if, you're, if you're not losing the weight from other things. Uh, we look at, you know, anti-inflammatory gut health healing peptides, such as BPC-157, growth hormone peptides, as you're well aware, somorelin, ipramorelin, CJC-1295 and ipramorelin. Those are all things that to me just kind of complete the puzzle of the human body when you're trying to achieve optimization. Mm -hmm. I was super interested when you said, uh, when you mentioned before that even for women, testosterone is like one of the, one of, if not the number one go-to. Totally. Yep. Yeah, can, can we talk about women's health? Um, yeah, what, what is it about testosterone that, you know, why is it so important for women? Um, what, what's happening with women's testosterone? Like, is there a particular age? Is it, you know, post-menopause that they have a drop in testosterone? Like what, what's going on here? It, it's, it's actually everything. It's, it's really from, from, from my perspective, it's not much different than men. Um, women start experiencing these symptoms in their thirties, just like men do. Um, it, it's pre-menopause, it's post-menopause. The post-menopause candidates are always a lot harder or when they're really approaching that, that menopausal date. Um, that said, you know, we get a ton of women that are very active or ex-athletes who have seen a major drop in energy, a major drop in salmon, a major drop in sex drive, brain fog. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, maybe that mid 50 to 50 year old, 55 year old woman who's experiencing menopausal symptoms, it's way before that. It's really easy to correct too when they're pre-menopause. You know, it can be, you know, something just as easy as just prescribing a testosterone cream or a trophy or an injection. And the beauty of women is they got a little, little ways to go where men, if they're really a true hypogonadism candidate, they got a long ways to go. Um, but if we catch it early, it usually is really, really impactful for a woman's life. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. What, um, what are some of the downsides do you think to testosterone replacement therapy, regardless of whether it's either too early or it's not quite getting the dose, um, right? Like what are, the, are there any longer or medium long-term health implications? You know, I, I, not really. Um, I, I will tell you, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of stuff that we get on a very very regular basis. Like if I'm on TRT, I have to be on the rest of my life. That's completely untrue. You can get on it and get off it at any point. You know, there are, there are, there are drugs that help you get off it better. Uh, but what we find is you're never going to achieve optimization unless you, especially if you're a true case of hypogonadism, unless you're going to have some type of replacement. Um, you know, I, I think there are little side effects, you know, a lot of guys can, can get back knee or, you know, acne that they didn't have, you know, the testicles can shrink. So I think you just have to measure that, but there's all kinds of tools that we have in our bag to help you kind of, you know, combat that stuff. So to me, I think, I think when it's under clinical supervision, when it's, when you're incorporating labs, I, I think, I think it's a really safe and effective thing. Um, I think when you start getting outside of that, it, there's a lot, a lot of issues. I mean, you're seeing in the bodybuilding community right now, guys die every other week, it seems. Yeah. You know, you're seeing heart disease, you're seeing strokes. Um, and this is from 
years and years of, you know, crazy testosterone that we can't even prescribe in the United States, you know, through a compounding pharmacy. So I think you have to separate the, the clinical side of it and then the recreational side that is, you know, guys that are doing stuff that are not under medical supervision. Those guys are running very, very serious risk uh, of, you know, strokes, heart attacks, death. Um, we, we sometimes get those patients um, and, you know, they haven't had a, a blood marker run on them, a CDC or a CMP. And we find just through a quick blood marker that these guys are on the cusp of literally dying. And, and, and the easiest thing to do sometimes is just, just to go donate blood and, and get, get your blood to a less viscous level. Uh, but I think if you separate the two, it's, there, there's not a ton of downside when you're doing it in the clinical setting. And just to kind of put things in perspective, when and the bodybuilders now have access to you know crazy drugs that, that that do ridiculous things. I mean, you only need to look at the difference between when we went from um, uh, when we had the first introduction of the mass monsters like Dorian Yates kind of era yep. from there on, and it's just gone to absolute extremes now. But to kind of put things in perspective. The, the levels of, say, someone who's on TRT, and you mentioned the range for 800 to 1,200 and mm-hmm. the amount of testosterone that someone might yep. need to take that, you know, might be somewhere, I mean, what's the kind of range? Somewhere from 100 to maybe 180, 200 milligrams a week kind of thing. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, most of our guys are, are, if you're at 200 milligrams, you, you know, you've likely probably been on there a little bit longer or you're a case that needed, you know, to really get that boost. You know, we have guys that are taking anywhere from 80 milligrams a week to 200 milligrams. Um, and then we just kind of make a judgment call if it's going beyond 200 milligrams. But, um, you know, in that bodybuilding community, you're seeing 500, 600, 1,000 milligrams being injected into these people yeah. on, on a weekly basis. And we're talking unregulated stuff from Russia, from China, from India. Bangladesh. I mean, we've seen the gamut of where this stuff is coming from. The best case scenario, most of this stuff is it just doesn't work. The worst case scenario is you're injecting something that's going to cause you long-term harm. Um, and, you know, we've seen guys that inject themselves that can't walk for a week. You know, they, they, their, their leg goes numb. I mean, it's, it's really scary. And I think, I think as an industry, we have to start talking about those differences because they're very distinct. Yeah. And, and not just the differences in testosterone that they're taking, but, um, you know, we're talking about something like testosterone, which I believe has an anabolic androgenic ratio of one-to-one, am I correct? Yeah, correct. Versus other anabolics they might be using, which have, you know, like a 200-to-one a ratio. Oh, man, it's crazy. Out. It's insane. Yeah, so it's crazy. Completely different worlds that we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love a lot of my buddies who are, are really into bodybuilding, but we can't even take them as patients. You know, we have we have liability, we have malpractice that we deal with, and you know, we've tested some of these guys. They don't even they don't even test in the in the normal parameters that LabCorp, one of the largest labs in the world, is even testing for. So they're off the charts crazy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, I I try to tell them, but. It, you know, it's a psychology thing. It's an addiction thing. They're addicted to the way they look. They're addicted to that pump. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, they take it somewhat solely at some point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's part of, 
reducing the stigma is really highlighting these differences like these are two very very different worlds different outcomes you know part of the approach might be the same drug but it's not even in the same amounts and there's such a difference between these two we can't even have them in the same conversation it's it's funny man i I, i've started seeing some you know trt is really catching a lot of wind and and for good reasons um but i i see you know some bodybuilders or influencers who you know made a name and and muscles and 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 they're starting to open up their own clinics and it's funny our marketing and our messaging is about optimization and and staying within a range and and replacing what's not there but then you're seeing these weird clinics pop up where it's like get this prescription so you can fly with your testosterone that is the complete opposite direction of what i think should be the clinical value of of trt um, so I, you know, I think there, there has to be distinctions. There has to be safety profiles we're talking about. And, and I think it's extremely important for patients to really own the process and know what they're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen, is there a difference in approaching primary versus secondary hypogonadism or are they generally treated the same and, and have the same kinds of kinds of outcomes or. Yeah. I, it, I would say very similar outcomes. We don't we we don't treat it much differently. Yeah. So basically, we're getting testosterone into the system, and whatever, you know, feedback loops and and upstream exactly. downstream effects will just yep. naturally sort themselves out. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Oh, nice. When it comes to uh, women's health, what are some of the other things that we might want to be introducing? Like, are we are we looking at estrogen, progesterone, these sorts of things? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole nine yards. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're running CDC, CMP, estrogen, progesterone, uh, you know, testosterone. Those are those are some of the key hormone markers. Cortisol, um, you know, all, all kinds of good stuff that we have access to, but. You know, just like men, we approach it very similar. We're not just treating the lab; we're treating symptoms, and that's ultimately how people find us. They're feeling some type, some something's off in their body. Something symptomatically doesn't add up, and and that's how we initially get them. Is there a a rationale or a case for? Uh, and let's just talk about men um, for the moment, because I think that's where you know, there's a we've got a lot of literature now on you know, the effects of testosterone and, and what happens over time. Is there a case for, to be made for reducing the amount as we age? So let's say we're starting in our forties or fifties. And as we get to 60, 70, 80, is there a case for, for actually bringing the levels down ever so slowly as what would might be occurring naturally? Sure. Or- That's a good question. Um, and I don't know if I have a, a, a good answer for you. I mean, obviously, as you age, the, the, the medical community says your, your testosterone is going to drop naturally, period, right? So it's almost like, should we be matching what is op- optimal at your age group? Um, and I don't know if there would be a good answer to that. I think it would be, you know, how do you feel as a patient? Yeah. Um, you know, how do your vitals check out? Are, are you still healthy? Um, are you still active? Um, does your blood markers correlate with what you're feeling? Because obviously, as you age, you, 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 you know, you're going to more problems are, are likely just going to occur. Um, but then the argument could be made, you know, by by having optimal testosterone levels, are you aging better? Um, you know, are, are you aging with more vitality? 
Um, are you slowing down that metabolic rate? Those are all really good questions that I don't have answers to. Um, but I think it would be a damn good study, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those things, we'll wait and see now that we have this wave of TRT becoming more uh, sort of mainstream and people are getting onto it, realizing that, you know, hey, I don't have to suffer when I'm in my 30s, 40s, 50s or whatever age when these symptoms start appearing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how this plays out. What's going to happen when we're, you know, 70, 80? Um, yeah. We're better off I, keeping I, slightly higher. Who knows? I, I think I think there definitely needs to be more understanding, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and more understanding, especially as you age, um, you know, because there isn't that long-term perfect study and there will never be a perfect study. Um, but I do think there needs to be more when it comes to that. You know, we, we, we all don't want to be a walking experiment. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think that's what we'd be. Um, but if, like I said earlier, if it's done in a clinical environment, I think it's really safe. The better question is, are we actually improving our lives by having optimal testosterone versus mm. decline it? And then I, then I look at, you know, just guys in general, you know, we're horrible creatures of, of our, of habit and we're horrible at going to the doctor's office. A lot of guys that, that we deal with haven't seen a physician in 10 years, yeah. five, 10 years, right? We're their first line of service when it comes to just getting their blood checked. So if, if TRT can even be a driver to get guys to be more active in their health journey, then that I think is ultimately helping solve a long-term issue. I mean, we know men are horrible consumers. We know men are really horrible consumers when it comes to healthcare. Um, and, and we know that we have stats now that tell us that they're dying, you know, earlier and they're more likely to have heart disease. They're more likely to have cancer. They're more likely to, you know, there's so many, the, the list goes on, but, you know, I think if, if TRT can drive guys to getting good care, I think that's even a start in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, just the, the accessibility as well, particularly in the online world, I mean, now, if I, and it's funny, even during lockdown, when we had lockdown here and I needed to see a dermatologist, I could have gone to see my local GP, like made an appointment, waited a few days, gone to see the GP, waited around in the waiting room for half an hour, gone in to see them, got a referral to the dermatologist, gone over to the dermatologist's office, blah, 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 blah. I just got online, found a couple of them, really good guys up in another state That's and they had an online service. We've got to pay for it privately, um, but, you know, you upload photos and, you know, give the right. information and all the rest of it. And the thing was done, made the appointment. It was all done in 15 minutes. I'd much rather do that and actually be out of pocket than going through the whole, all the different yeah. barriers and all the things that, that you have to deal with going through the normal channels. The same yeah. thing even with bloods now. If I want to get, if I want to get um, my labs done, I'll just log on to my dashboard, pay for it, walk up the road, get them done, get it uploaded to the dashboard, and then I can send it to my GP rather than having exactly. the, the normal processes. But I think the accessibility and things like what you're offering uh, just makes it so much easier for guys to go, hey, I can book an appointment, I can speak to someone, and I can actually get started rather than having to go through this lengthy process of having to fight for my 
for my right to have access to good health care and trying to convince my doctor that I'm having these symptoms and, and you know, they want to prescribe me an antidepressant or something. <laughs> Dude, I got to tell you, man, this is, you, you know, this is, this is what America is like built on when it comes to healthcare. I, I, you know, I won't go too, too deep in the subject, but I've been in healthcare for 14 years and I think the system is broken. I think we're really good at fixing things. I, I think you get an injury, you get a car accident. We're really good at repairing things, but the proactive and preventative side is broken. It is absolutely broken. And, and when you think about going to your GP or your primary care doc, you think about the process of scheduling, oh. you think about the process of wait, waiting in the waiting room. Then you think about the process to get your blood draw. And then all of a sudden the white coat guy comes in or the white coat gal comes in to tell you there's nothing wrong with you when you know there's something wrong. And if that is our healthcare system, which it is, it is broken. And, you know, I think if anything, accessibility and, and for men, especially, you know, keeping it simple, you know, having somebody that, that can get on your side of the aisle and talk about this stuff is huge, but, but making it simple and making it accessible, um, and, and, and just having somebody who's an inch wide, a mile deep to talk about this stuff is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I certainly don't want to give the impression to our listeners that we're doctor bashing here because, you know, doctors are, are amazing that, uh, you know, you get good doctors, you get great doctors, you get not so good doctors, like just like any other profession, as you've yeah. said, um, but the right tool for the right job, right? You know, if we're talking hormones, go to a hormone specialist. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like this. If, if I'm, if I have something wrong with my knee, I'm not going to go to a neurosurgeon, right? I mean, he might be a good guy to just shoot the breeze with, um, but you know, it, it, hormones have become specialized. Um, and you know, for, for, for men and women, they should know that. And, and they should know that if something's off and I mean, Google's is a huge tool. Um, it's easy to find these type of hormone experts. What, what are some of the things that, uh, you're working on now, like for yourself, like things that you're experimenting with, playing around with? Yeah. I, I, the, the newest one is, is DSA. We talked about that earlier is the Delta sleep inducing peptide. I, I, I wouldn't say I struggle. I, I have a, a love hate relationship with sleep. Um, it's something that I'm trying to really understand more, really trying to get in a better habit and, and, and get in a better rhythm. Um, so I've started to experiment with th this peptide. I'm, I'm two weeks into it, so I can't even give you a, a full scope on it. Uh, but, but it's something I'm really, really into. Um, you know, in, in terms of hormones, I'm constantly, constantly getting lab draws, constantly trying to understand where my levels are at, you know, matching up with symptoms. You know, I did a, a really, really comprehensive panel that we offer hundred plus markers, um, found out a lot of good, found out some things that were really interesting, you know, uh, it was around the holiday season. So my wife and I have been going to a lot of Christmas parties and you know, drinking probably too much. And I just felt off and the labs matched up with it. My C-reactive protein was really, really yeah. high and inflamed. My cortisol levels are the same. Um, so for me, it's, it's really trying to match my symptoms right now with, with what's happening in the lab levels. And, you know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's really kind of worked. Um, and, and we've really kind of tapered off a lot of that extracurricular activity and uh, you know, just focus on health and optimization. But my new one right now is 
is, is DSIP. And, uh, you know, I love, I love the brain peptides. Uh, one that I'm, I love is called C-Max. It's a, it's a nootropic peptide, um, just helps with memory and cognition. And, um, I, I call it just my, my connecting peptide. I, I just connect better. I connect better batteries. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what are some of the other peptides and things that you're doing? Can you share? Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I got a few pounds to lose. Uh, you know, like I said, my, my journey is relatively new, but, but now I'm, now I'm into the weight loss piece. And one of the peptides that I love is called semaglutide. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but it's an FDA approved peptide, uh, for weight loss. Originally it was designed for type two diabetes. Uh, and then they just recently got an indication for obesity. Uh, so I've been, I've been toying with this one for about two months. I've lost about 20 pounds. Uh, I've really, really been slow at titrating up because the, the dosing schedule is, is designed for, you know, chronically obese people. Uh, I'm not there, but I definitely need to lose a little weight. And, uh, I've been fortunate that I've really slowly dosed it. It's been a really, really pleasurable experience. Helps me reduce appetite and cravings and it slows down that digestive process. Um, and, and it's one of our best sellers right now and it's doing really well. So I can kind of see why it's doing so well, but it's a really, really amazing peptide. Yeah. Yeah. Just for our, our listeners who don't know what peptides are and they might be thinking, you know, collagen peptides or, exactly. or that nature, um, you know, what, what are peptides uh, and what are sorts of things that they do and why are they so good? You know, um, what do we know about them, their safety? Yeah. yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting space, right? It's peptides have been around for years. Um, peptides are flowing through our body right now. You know, it's like hormones. There's 7,000 peptides that are flowing through our body on a regular basis. Um, you know, there, there's a massive difference in, in, in the collagen peptides that you're throwing in your shape versus what we're doing at compounding pharmacies that are typically done in injections or usually subcutaneous. Um, but they're, you know, a short chain of amino acids and the stepping stones for proteins. And, and they're really, really good things at working on specific items, you know, the easiest thing to relate for patients to understand what a peptide is, is insulin is a peptide. We've been using insulin for, you know, what, 50, 60, 70 years. It's the only peptide our body can't live without. You don't have insulin, you're going to die. Um, and it's a, it's a phenomenal peptide, but now we've gotten into the world of anti-aging. We've gotten into weight management. We've gotten into growth hormone peptides such as the CJC 1295 and the that you're taking or Sumorlin or Ipamorlin. Mm-hmm. Um, the world of peptides, I think is, is, is ever evolving. Um, I think, I think we're, we're going to constantly find new ones. I think we're going to constantly be on a discovery phase. The fortunate thing is, you know, there's about 50 or 60 FDA approved peptides right now that are in existence. Um, and I, I think they're just, they're phenomenal things to, to, to give your body for certain things that you're trying to achieve. For yeah. hormones and testosterone, I look at it as just a baseline. There's a lot of things really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and generally considered pretty safe, um, very low to, to no side effects for the majority of people. Um, one of the things that we, you know, we've been talking about quite a bit here is injections with things like peptides they're often with like a tiny little insulin needle you don't even feel it 
Um, you can barely even see the thing <laughs> like it's that small. Yeah. Um, so we're not talking about, for our listeners, you know, who might have a needle phobia, we're not talking about you know, some great big harpoon thing that you have to stick into your, into your leg or anything like that. No. That's it. I, I, we, uh, you know, there's some peptides that can be compounded in cream. So there's yeah, some yeah. that can be done in oral form. Uh, but the beauty is most of the injections, you're, you're talking a 31 subcutane, 31 gauge subcutaneous needle for your viewers. 31 gauge is actually really, really small. I mean, it's like a, it's like a fingertip, you know, compared to, you know, gauges that are eight or 10 gauge. Those are big, massive needles. This is so easy. It, the 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 risk and reward um, it's it's disproportionate to the reward side. It, there are very few side effects. These are another thing, though, that I think you have to kind of start relating to hormones. Like mm. you got to do this under clinical supervision because they are extremely extremely safe when they're when they're done under that. But abuse can come with that. Um, and getting the right product from the right sources. And, and in the States, it's compounding pharmacies. If you're doing that, you're, you're going to have a really good and pleasurable experience. Yeah. Yeah. Guys can't, can't highlight this enough. Don't get the peptides that are for research purposes only quote unquote, like go to a, go to a specialist, go to a provider, you know, get compounding pharmacy stuff. Like don't mess about with this. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I just blogged on this because it, it's, this is where the, the, the boats are rising in a good way, but it's also in a bad way. Anytime you create this vacuum and a lot of it is tied to cash grabbing and just trying to make money, mm -hmm. it, it, the people that suffer are ultimately the people who thrive on these and are taking these and, and really need them. Um, and, and what I, what I can, what concerns me because I've been in healthcare for such a long time is, you know, that, that, you know, these bad actors are going to ruin it. And it's important that we don't even give them the opportunity to thrive. It's important that you're getting this under medical supervision. It's important you're getting from the right sources because at the end of the day, just like, just like testosterone, if it's abused, it can really lead to a lot of bad effects. What would you, what, what's the future of the field here of this type of healthcare with hormones, peptides and everything? What, what would you like to see over the next 10 or so years? I, I'd like to, I'd love to see it continue to evolve. Um, I'd love to see there be a regulatory component, but not too overly stiff. Um, I think we're, we're still in the infant stages of really trying to understand hormones and well, not infant, but we're, we're still trying to understand it and, and we're discovering hormones, you know, every decade. Um, peptides are the same thing. I think they're the anti-aging evolution. You know, if you're, if you're really trying to talk about slowing down that aging process, peptides are a great start, but then there's just great peptides like we talked about for weight loss. I mean, we're on this discovery phase. I want to see a lot of money put into the research side so that it can be in patients in a good way. Um, you know, I fear that, you know, bad actors are going to take it down just like everything else. And, and then compounding pharmacies won't even have the opportunity to make it unless you're a big pharmaceutical manufacturer. And anytime that happens, it's never necessarily good for the public, you know? So um, I hope there's a ton of education, a ton of research. I, I hope that the safety profile continues to, to raise. Uh, and, if, and if we do, I think we're going to be, you know, we're going to have a long run at, at this whole, you know, space. 
yeah. Actually, I just heard um, not too long ago that was it HCG was taken off the market in the US, or at least the the yep. pharmaceutical version of it. Pregnal is it compounding pharmacies only now? What's the no what's the compounding pharmacies cannot produce it. Wow. Yeah, it's it's the pharmaceutical manufactured version that is allowed, and. Uh-huh. You know, I, I mean, there's there's probably a million ways to skin it in terms of why, but there was a huge fad going on probably throughout the world, but definitely in the States, the HCG diet, you know, and you know, patients were getting harmed and uh, not eating. And it's not, it's that's not what it was indicated for, but it's such a damn good, damn good drug. I mean, we prescribe it on a regular basis. We can still prescribe it, but now patients can't afford it. Because yeah. now it's coming from the, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, uh, the manufacturing line to where it's, it's unaffordable for patients who want to take it on a regular basis, where the compounded version was a tenth of the cost and extremely oh. effective. Yeah, that much of a difference. Is it pregnant? Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the yep. pharmaceutical one. Yep. Uh, so 10 times the price. Yeah, I mean, right now, it's, it's like everything, right? Supply and demand. Uh, now the now the supply on that is extremely low, the manufactured version, uh, and the demand is extremely high. Uh, so so even the pricing that we're getting, and, and we buy, you know, we have great pricing when it comes to this these type of stuff. Our tiers are really high. It's it's you know, I mean, we're talking a bottle can range from a hundred to two hundred dollars, you know, for a, a month supply. or, you know, call it six months ago we were getting that for 15. wow yeah so i get a lot of people are not able to afford it are there alternatives i, I suppose there's not for hcg is there or, or is there something yeah like yeah the, the the next best thing right now is clomid um you know we we've we've tried gonadarellin uh, a fair amount with patients the feedback is not nearly as good so if there was a next best thing it would be clomid but it works on a different mechanism. It's not like, because my understanding is that HCG is uh, almost like a luteinizing hormone. Exactly. Mimic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, and the, and the half-life is different too. Uh, ACG is just an all-around phenomenal drug. I mean, it was something I, I, I was taking on a regular basis as well. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it necessarily made a huge difference for me, but the patients who do notice a difference, it's, it's substantial. So that's, you know, that's one of those, those, you know, those, those theories that like, you know, we want to rise as an industry, but you know, you have these bad actors, and these bad programs that come out and it abuses it for everybody. And, and just for our listeners, HCG is used in anything, well, more popular use, as you mentioned, is the HCG diet, where yeah. you got this ridiculously low calorie diet and take hcg at the same time but obviously i think traditionally it was for pregnancy yep correct um yep. and and also as a uh, used alongside trt for maintaining testicular health and yep. and obviously it has this downstream effect of luteinizing hormone to tell the testicles to produce testosterone exactly yeah exactly and extremely effective but you know this is We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, hopefully that, you know, there, there comes a time where we can bring it back into compound pharmacy to, to, to lower that price. But, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is a very powerful beast and they have a lot more lobbying power than any compounding pharmacy, any compounding pharmacy coalition. And when that happens, it's, it's, 
it's usually doomsday. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully it just works itself out over time and yep. it's just this is a little speed bump. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, final thoughts for our listeners? You know, I, I'll tell every, I tell everybody this on your journey. You know, if, if you're an entrepreneur, you own your own success. Um, since we're on the subject of health and optimization, own that process as well. You know, we, we talked about it earlier. You know, there's, there's a lot of tools and resources. There's a lot of noise, bad noise. Do your own due, due diligence. Find the right provider um, that, can, that can help you in your goals and your needs. Um, and if you do that, you're, you're going to live a much healthier life. Awesome. Josh, it's been a great chat. Uh, guys, put the link, uh, we'll put the links in the show notes so you can go and uh, check out Blokes and connect with Josh uh, for hormone optimization. We're talking about libido, the new uh, women's range, which I think you call Joy. Joy, J-O-I, yep. J-O-I. Uh, and obviously you can go and check out the resources. And if this is for you, uh, I'm assuming United States only because of restrictions and everything, uh, which most of you listening to this are going to be in the States anyway. So uh, go and check it out. And if you're a guy and you want to, uh, you know, live a healthy, fulfilling, high sex drive life, <laughs> can we say that? Which we all do, right? <laughs> everyone, listening, everyone listening is going, yep, 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 tick, tick, tick. That's me. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Sign me up. Uh, go and check out blokes. Uh, Thank thanks you. very much, Josh. <laughs> you bet, man. I enjoyed it. So that's it for this episode. If you want to support the show, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, drop a five-star review, and of course, you can connect with me on social with the links in the description. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon. <laughs>